0: Fade In. You're listening to Let's Bogart. Please welcome your host, Daniel Williston. It's me. It's just me. Welcome back, buds. This is your host, Daniel Williston. You're listening to Let's Bogart, the recreational review podcast where we rate hits by fading out before we fade in. So, Whether you're here for the plot or the pot, we'll roll cameras and roll joints and curate a pairing experience, both celluloid and cannabinoid in nature. Oh! First time's the charm. I haven't said that in a long time, but it's really ingrained in me. Let me tell you what, buds. I just had such a day. I worked my uh, uh, first shift at my cannabis retail store as... A key leader opening the store all by myself. I had my assistant manager come in and help me with a couple of things, but mostly I opened the store by myself. So I worked a full day there, came home, recorded a song for a charity event that's coming up. I recorded uh, two commercial auditions, and now I am recording this, the intro to the episode that is going to be out tomorrow, which you are listening to today, whenever that is. And it's a really exciting one. Now, I don't want to get you overexcited. Listen, this is not the start of Season 2. Season 2 is still a ways off. We're going to be announcing it very soon. I'm very excited about some of the things that we're going to be doing. Uh, We're going to be switching up format a little bit. We're going to be doing some very specialized, curated things around, uh, uh, well, I don't want to say too much, but Halloween's coming up. And listen, this whole thing started with me doing... Pairings between uh, uh, cannabis strains and movies that I was watching around October, which was all horror movies. So this year I've got a podcast, and guess what? We're going to be doing some very scary movies and finding some great strains to pair with them. Now, speaking of great strains, why do we have this random episode coming out in between seasons? Let me tell you. It is an extra special Episode. We have got an extra special strain, we have got an extra weird movie, and we have got an extra, extra special guest today. I am so excited for you to hear. I learned so much in this conversation, and I, uh, I'm i just excited to listen back to the episode again. Because I feel like uh, our, our guest was a font of information. A fount of information? No, it's a font, right? It's a font of information? I don't know. But font it is (laughs) no a font of information it means a fount 10 right whatever it doesn't matter the point is i'm not gonna keep you any further we're gonna dive into it we have the movie butter from 2011 and even more exciting we have a brand new strain that is coming out today no this week this week it came out the first pre-rolls of this very new strain which we get to talk about right here so daniel without further ado tell us who this extra special guest is we have on the show all right my next guest is a former corporate lawyer turned entrepreneur he is an alumnus of the University of West uh, West South Wales and Western University where he graduated with a combined HB a and JD degree in business and law. He was a lawyer at Castles Brock and Blackwell LLP, focusing on corporate and commercial matters. Later, he became a partner at the Natural Care Group, providing medical cannabis for individuals, long term care, and retirement homes. And in May 2017, he became the co founder of Carmel Cannabis. Please, welcome to the show a very special guest Roey fishman Roey buddy thanks for coming on the show thanks so much for having me what a pleasure so let me let me ask you a question we we, we start usually with with talking about weed but i i want to ask about being a lawyer what what is the biggest difference you found working in in law and business and working on the other side as an entrepreneur where you're your own boss I mean, you nailed it with the last part when you're your own boss. I think um,
1: working as a lawyer is a really difficult profession. I think a lot of people find it very rewarding, um, the ability to help people achieve certain goals. Uh, But obviously, especially in the world of corporate law, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of long hours. Um, being an entrepreneur, there's no difference. You're still working really hard. I think the difference is knowing that the onus is on you at the end of the day. Um, you know, entrepreneurship requires a lot of different difficulties than than professional services. So sure. that was kind of the biggest change in in my lifestyle. But I don't regret it one bit. Uh, it's been a hell of a ride. I'm very lucky to work with one of my best friends and and a great family here at Carmel. So. Loving every day of it. And uh, just don't ask me any legal questions because we're both going to be in shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic, man. And yeah, you you get to surround yourself with uh, uh, the people that you want to work with rather than finding yourself uh, in with a bunch of people that you're having to figure out how you fit, I guess. Yeah. I mean, working
1: at a big company uh, is a different type of experience, mm-hmm. right? You need to understand how, to, how you fit within an organization. I think one of the biggest motivations for starting a company was trying to create a place where I would want to work, where other people, where I knew where they would want to spend the, that amount of time, right? We, other than sleeping, we probably spend the most amount of time at work. So... You want to make it as comfy and and as awesome as you can. So um, that's kind of the most rewarding experience about starting something yourself.
0: And what's the what uh, you you want to make the place a comfy place that people can feel like they're they're comfortable. They're able to give their best work, give the you know, uh, what is the the biggest thing you feel that you do as a as a founder and as a boss that allows for people to to give their best selves to you?
1: I think there's two things probably that are most important, in in my opinion, Mm -hmm. right, my limited experience uh, as an entrepreneur. Number one is giving people autonomy, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to hire somebody, you cannot micromanage them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You need to give that individual space to make mistakes, to take risk, and to, to figure things out on their own. That's where I feel we found our best results. People are incredible. Uh, They think differently than you. Uh, We all have different opinions and different uh, uh, ways of approaching problems and situations. And I think it's wonderful to see how different people do it. And then coming back and learning together and providing that support. But at the end of the day, number one would be autonomy. Mm -hmm. And number two, something I learned along the way that maybe I didn't start with and I wish I had. Um, But I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Learning from failures and past experiences is. The ability to provide people with really clear expectations and guidelines, um, and kind of framework. Mm -hmm. I think something I didn't realize is how much I I enjoyed understanding what my expectations were, you know, and and getting that feed constant feedback. So that's something that we've really implemented here at Carmel. We're always communicating with each other. We're always kind of setting the target, setting the expectation, and working together on how can we get there and. I think by giving people autonomy, but at the same time giving them the framework, it really allows people to flourish and, and have a really rewarding professional experience. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That sounds like a fantastic place to work. So you guys all get to work. uh like you you were saying uh, when you first got on here, getting to work in cannabis every day is is a pretty great, like beautiful thing to 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 get to experience. What was uh, what was do, what do you remember about your first experience with cannabis yourself?
1: Uh, I remember Icy Towers. <laughs> do you remember Icy Towers? I sure do. Old school. That's like pure, you know, 90s, 2000, I don't know, early 2000 computer games. But the first time I smoked weed, uh, I was with a friend of mine from, I think, elementary school. His older sister and my sister, and they're the same age. So it was the four of us. We smoked weed. Uh, and then I ended up playing Icy Towers for a few hours. I don't think I was actually high. Yeah. I think I may have convinced myself. The first time I was high, I don't think I can remember that. But it was shortly thereafter. Sure. Um, for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, funny times how about yourself my my first time i i did buckets for my first time ever doing it, which was a huge mistake and <laughs> set me off uh, at, 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 i had like a bumpy bumpy start to my first enjoying it i only came to it later while i was in college <laughs> when i i started actually using it and figuring out like the strains of it and how how to use it differently and how to uh, have a, a a nice chill time that those first times doing buckets in garages in Saskatchewan I was <laughs> just blowing my mind out entirely and not really remembering when weed was still weed that's right that was, <laughs> know, I mean, just weed it's just green and it makes you go crazy it's great <laughs> yeah. so uh um so with Carmel, you guys I, I see uh, right behind you, you on your on your wall there rare breeds and limited grow what th- one of the things that you have all done coming onto the scene is really, I think brought forward the idea of what craft cannabis t- can be. And I wanted to ask why uh, what was the the goal at the outset or what was the the impetus for wanting to do? Craft cannabis. I mean, there's a lot of LPs out there that have a, a lot more selection and a lot more. Um, uh, it's it's not like as small it grows like they're they're trying to corner a different part of the market, it seems, than you guys are.
1: Yeah. And I think that comes down to a business decision. Right? Who is your target market and what are the types of products you want to make? Mm-hmm. But stepping aside from that, for us, it was pretty simple um, and and it's really basic. And I think that that sometimes, you know, may sound surprising when you're starting a business, but it really is simple and it's fundamental. We didn't want to change much. We, like Drew's uh, one of our you know, founders and one of our, and our master grower, he really inspired us with the beauty of craft products, with the exciting genetics. Every time I got a bag from him, I was so excited to open it and smell it and see it and learn about the genetics. And it was really the idea of how do we bring legacy market tactics? How do we bring the limited drop um, excitement? How do we bring that same feel um, to the legal market? And I I don't think there's a a real complexity to that. Just a real discipline in, in going about our business and a real focus on what we can do. Like you said, we only have a limited amount of strains. We only have a limited amount of growth available to us. So our goal at the end of the day at Carmel is to share the excitement. We have phenol hunting, finding the beautiful lady cultivars that we want to grow here. Um, the excitement of the smell, the look, all of that that we have when you pop open our bag or we, when you pop open our new pre-roll tubes or anything like that, we want you to share in that enthusiasm and that excitement. Um, so that really trickles down in everything that we do.
0: Yeah, I see that a lot. I see the... the um... The thing that really, really floored me when your your products first came into the store was looking at how much information you give on them on the bag. It's it's a real uh, it it's it's not the the norm, and it's really exciting for those of us who. It will be. I think so too. I think that it's. We're
1: seeing it. We're seeing it every day. And I get asked all the time, like, oh, what do you think of all these guys copying your bag? You know, everyone's doing a nitro pouch. Everyone's putting lineage and tasting notes and breeders on the pack of the bag, Uh, all this stuff. And they say, well, oh, is it just copycat? I said, absolutely not. When we did this, we knew everyone was coming right behind us because this is where the industry needs to go. Yeah. So I think it's incredible. I got to give a big shout out to our, our head of marketing. Uh, Chris Marmion he pushed that and he pushed me like from a legal standpoint really saying hey I think we could put this information on the back I, I think this is compliant I, I we have to do this our customers demand it we we have to do it and we've worked our asses off to figure out what can we say and what can't we mm-hmm. uh, and I'm I'm really excited that the industry is changing Everybody's going to start especially the craft growers yeah um and, and we have a lot to grow ourselves, right? We have a lot of improvements to make on our packaging, uh- but still, I, I think that's awesome, uh, so very cool.
0: Yeah, getting information out to the the customer to be able to make the decisions and to help educate them. I think that a lot of people who are entering the legal marketplace right now as consumers are maybe coming from a place like you were saying, where we started, where it, a weed is weed and it's green and, it, and it's great, and it's, it's fun, but there's so yeah. much more. There's, every time you learn something about uh cannabis it's like there's there's so much more that you realize you didn't know and i think oh, bringing that sure. information to the consumer is going to be really important and like you say improving the industry
1: you you nailed it uh i i think that's the, the most important element and this is the small part of it was part of that that notion that we have the principle of carmel of, of sharing that excitement that we have growing it and choosing it with you opening it and i think you know just like um, you know, if you're a wine drinker, if you like to see the notes on the side of a wine bottle, it gets me fired up. I get excited about opening it. Uh, so that same idea you're seeing, oh, um, animal face got lemon and cake and diesel and it's frosty. Oh my God, I can't rip this open fast enough. And then 15 <laughs> minutes later, when you figured out the childproof opening and you've got a chainsaw out and, <laughs> yeah, and you've got a, yeah, an exacto knife, a Sharpie, two batteries, That's uh, right. <laughs> and whatever else you need to open our bags
0: (laughs) finally you've accessed it yeah you got to be some kind of weed macgyver to be able to get into those (laughs) nowadays (laughs) that's awesome well the the uh strain that you were you were so uh uh, generous to let me get to to try and that you got to do for the the show is a new drop of yours that's going to be coming up uh, uh beginning of august yeah
1: yeah, so Peanut Butter Breath uh, launching to the distribution center on August 3rd. So retailers will be able to pick that up kind of week 1 August. Oh
0: fuck, that's very so
1: very excited about that.
0: Yeah, it's it, can you can you talk a, uh, a little bit about the 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 strain itself, the the decision to like what goes into the um you you talked about like uh, hunting phenotypes and and trying to find the the right the rare breeds that you want to be growing what goes into the decision of making okay we're going to make a drop for this
1: so i think that that's a big question mm-hmm. so i'll take it kind of in part. so um first i'll talk about the process of pheno hunting and choosing genetics and then maybe we'll jump into why peanut butter breath um and and, and you know a little bit about about that so the idea at Carmel um, about finding a genetic, so phenol hunting is the process of um, s- germinating different seeds, uh, could be from typically the same cultivar, so the same strain. Mm-hmm. So let's say in this case, we had probably 30 to 40 peanut butter breath seeds. So these come from Thug Pug, uh, and we love his genetics. So Thug Pug, and we've got other breath strains on the market. We had the garlic breath, um, and now we've got this peanut butter breath, and we're working on some other breath strains. So we think it's a really cool uh, lineage. It's all crossed to the Mendo breath uh, male that that Thug Pug has. So um, basically what will happen is we, we germinate these seeds. We grow them out. First, we find and identify the males, and we kill them. So you don't want any males around, uh, as most people listening to this podcast probably know, their pollen will, will, uh, will kind of seed the rest of our, our females and their flowers. So what right. we'll do is we'll eliminate those males, and then we'll we'll kind of watch the females. And the growers will make a few kind of grow-related decisions. So yield, they'll look at structure of the plant, how is it to deal with you know, removing leaves. How tall does it grow? How wide does it grow? Do we need to train it through the trellis? There's different things that they'll look at. How does it react? And then from there, we'll start to look at it qualitatively, which is the, kind of the most important from the consumer standpoint. How does it smell? How does it taste? How does it look? What's the potency? What are the other cannabinoids in it? Because um, that's really interesting to us. And, and what are the terpene profiles? So we'll start to look at those things uh, and specifically with peanut butter breath, I think what I love the most, so from a, from a taste perspective, I don't know if you found this, I find it really floral, almost like a beautiful perfume, yeah. like smoked that, the house smells incredible. Uh, I, I, I love that. It's also got a really creamy taste and I, and I think people who love peanut butter in the legacy market or that experience with it know that really familiar peanut butter breath taste yeah uh which is awesome uh and and the look of it which is really kind of tight dense buds that are purple and frosty Mm -hmm. so i i think it's pretty exciting um i'm i love thug pug and i i love the breast strains peanut butter to me i don't know if you felt it it's it's a very um Uh, I don't know if aphrodisiac is the right word, but you feel good and you feel a lot of love. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, the thing that I was was trying to put my finger on, because it was was really a feeling that I had never felt before on it. And it was... I was relaxed because it's a it's a real kind of fifty fifty <laughs> hybrid. I I was sort of going okay. Where's the the indica in it? Where's the sativa in it? Uh, and I was feeling it was it was an intense feeling because it was very potent. But the feeling was relaxation. So like an intense relaxation, yeah, which seems like, at like, odds with one another. But it was really fun to be in that space. That's very cool. I, I think that. It's
1: it's probably, it, because you said that intense relaxation, I'd probably put it as slightly more of an indica-leading hybrid. Yeah. Um, obviously, the strains that people smoke today, and especially the ones we put out at Carmela are really potent. Sure. It's really strong. So that initial feeling, um, re- like people say, oh, animal phase is a couch lock. Well, no, you're just really stoned. <laughs> um, so with peanut butter breath, it's a really potent strain. So yeah. it's really strong. I think it'll knock you down like pretty quickly. Uh, but I, I do understand what you're saying. You have a really nice euphoria. Yeah. Um, I, I, really enjoy it. And, and for people who like strains to enjoy with their partners, uh, peanut butter breath is one that I, I highly
0: recommend for that purpose. For yeah. Sure. I gotta agree. Yeah. You're probably not going to want to go have a bike ride after it, but it, it'll, <laughs> it, it, it's great for sitting down and watching a movie. So yeah. Yeah. I'm really loving this. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the um the the creamy taste that you were talking about. There's like a real like you can get like nut flavor from it. It's it's yeah really cool to to have yeah <laughs> a, a, a a taste profile that actually includes stuff that's outside of where it's not just piney or just limiting kind of like it. Yeah.
1: Oh, and you got to shout out the breeders who do a great job. Uh, I'm finding these strains, you know, at Carmel, we're now breeding our own genetics as well. We launching those, but with peanut butter bread, uh, I, I think it's just such a classic uh, for people who are really, really into exotic genetics. Uh, and um, we're, we're just excited to get it out into people's hands and l- let them enjoy it because we... We, we've had a lot of fun growing it, so.
0: Yeah, exotic cool. genetics is a great I, uh, way to describe what Carmel, uh, I think, does really well and what, what uh, kind of experience the consumer can have uh, moving from some of the other stuff that they're maybe more used to into one of these smaller batches that's coming out at the time.
1: For sure, for sure. And I think uh, a lot of people who are maybe not used to it um, every day, I think the you know the main difference is a really clear headed, really smooth smoke. Mm-hmm. The the highs is a lot more like I said clear headed, and that's just because a high quality grow. And there are there are others out there who achieve it, but on a craft side, you really it makes a big difference. And I think it also stretches your 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 product a lot longer when you're able to enjoy a product that you know it's more potent. The high is longer, and and the high itself is. You know, more clear and enjoyable. Uh, I think for me personally, it, it's worthwhile, more worthwhile to to splurge a couple extra dollars and, and go for experience. a premium craft product for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And the, uh, the, you know, the potency you get in more than just the the THC, too. I, I noticed, at, like, even just opening the small little jar that I had, you open it up and the whole room, before you've even smoked it or ground it or anything, like, your whole room smells like it. It's yeah. really incredible to see how much, yeah, just how powerful uh, a smell it can be, how powerful uh, a smoke it can be. It's just yeah. kind of potent all around. Yeah, we got to somehow get a money back guarantee. If this shit doesn't stack up your whole house, you get your money back. Like the Dairy Queen, like putting the blizzard upside down before handing it to you, like a little trademark. Yeah. This doesn't knock your socks off. (laughs) That's awesome. So, uh, uh, so yeah, so the, the, uh, um, uh, do and Mendo's Breath F2 are the, the sort of the, the breeders that are, are the two cultivars that came together to make the, the peanut butter breath. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's correct. So, uh, was it a matter of going to the, the breeder and, and them having, okay, this is the, the peanut butter breath going, or are you involved in any way in, we're looking to, to match up a couple of these to make something ourselves? So
1: for for this specific strain, Peanut Butter Breath is a strain that Thug Pug releases. Uh, and pretty much anyone, when I say anyone, the public is able to buy it when it's released. Okay. Um, again, you buy that in seed format. So there's okay. only a limited amount available. Billy, our flower manager here, uh, Andrew actually, I believe, both had seed packs. Um, they're, you know, they have good relationships with breeders, they're able to get access to auctions. So just like people collect sneakers and a lot of us here at Carmel collect sneakers too, but just like people collect sneakers, there's limited drops on seeds um, that breeders grow. So they actually select it uh, and they put it out. And if you're quick enough and you know the right people, uh, then you can get access to the limited seeds that come out. And then from there, it's really a lo- like a buying a lottery ticket. You have no idea what you're going to get. So I would say, you know, it, out of, a hundred different strains mm-hmm. that we buy—that could be thousands of seeds. There's maybe one or two that we choose that we like. So it, it actually takes a lot of time to find something great. Uh, so typically, we do search out genetics that we like, breeders that we're really interested in, mm-hmm. uh, and then what we're doing now in house is taking genetics that we've either released. So, for example, our dark helmet, which was Drew's kind of legacy strain, uh, and then crossing it with a Mac male. And, and creating a new strain. So that's the Dim max. So that's stuff that we can do in-house and stuff with peanut butter, that's more phenol hunting, right? The breeder does the work releasing the seed and then we do our job of finding the best
0: chosen one that we can. <laughs> that's interesting yeah i was talking about this the other day in store because we were looking into animal face and it talked about how uh uh crossing it with a male plant and we were like uh uh, forgive my ignorance and stuff but we we are trying to figure out because we thought like you were saying before you want to get rid of the male plants so that they don't affect the other female plants that you have in in house but doesn't the, does the male plant have an, any THC potential? Like I thought that the idea was that it it wasn't and was to be discarded.
1: Yeah. So the, the male plant creates, do, doesn't create flowers, right? So, right? so the female cannabis plant creates a flower, really sticky flower. The male cannabis plant creates pollen sacs. As, as, in nature, right, in August, when, when the plants start flowering, the sun starts to be less than 12 hours a day, those buds start getting really sticky, the pollen starts coming out of the male, and they're basically saying, okay, my life is about to be over, I'm a cannabis female, I need to get some seed in me to create a future plant. So they're looking for that male to give them that pollen to create new seeds. And that's the process of breeding, okay? In, in a natural state, where a male plant then create the pollen touches those sticky female flower, mm-hmm. and then when that flower harvests, rather than getting what you would see as typical cannabis flower, you would actually have a fully seeded bud, okay. and and those seeds there are an offspring, a, a child of the male and the female. Now, when you have a thousand seeds. All those kids, some are more like the dad, some are more like the mom, some are tall, some are short, some have high THC like the dad's lineage, some have high CBD like the mom, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. What happens is we then select that one seed that we're looking for that has the characteristics that we want. So potency, aroma, look, whatever it may be. And then from that point, we take cuttings. So we don't get new seeds again because then they won't be identical to the mother, right? We have our mother plant, we then cut a clone, so an exact replica, we propagate it, and we grow our animal face from that mother plant. If that does that make more sense, yeah, that That's makes a lot, lot more root. sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. It's so it's such a beautiful process, such a complicated process.
1: Yeah, but it, it's it's quite natural when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, We do it here in controlled environments, but yeah, that's the goal. Trying to find the best offspring you can and then create the mother and, and propagate her.
0: God. Well, you guys uh, uh, hit a home run with this one, the peanut butter breath. That's I'm excited for it to drop and get to actually give it to some people who are excited about (laughs) craft cannabis in here in Toronto. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, man. Well, that brings us to the end of our first segment, which means it's time for our first game. You ready for this, Rowie? Yeah, let's do it. All right. This is a game called In It to Minute. In It to Minute. In It to Minute. It's the game where I give you 60 seconds, and you tell everybody everything that happened in Butter. We're looking for a beginning, a middle, and an end, but you only have 16 seconds. Or 60 seconds. 16 or 60, 60. One minute. Okay, well, I smoked weed during this movie, so. (laughs) That's That's what's going to make it amazing. All right, you ready for this? Let's go. 60 seconds on the clock. What happens in butter? It's a minute. What happens in butter is there's a butter
1: carving competition in Iowa where, and again, I'm just going to go with people's TV names because I don't know everyone's name. So, So, Phil Dunphy is (laughs) the best butter carver of all time. He's probably got 15 years carving butter sculptures. His most recent incredible butter sculpture is, I believe, The Last Supper. Uh So, he's married to Jennifer Garner, who's got political aspirations for him. Uh, He's asked to step down uh, and not compete anymore because he's just utterly dominating the butter carving competition. His wife, Jennifer Garner, doesn't... Appreciate that, and she wants to compete herself. So Phil Dunphy and her again a bit of a fight. He ends seconds. up having an affair with Olivia Wild. Long story short, I didn't even get to the best butter carver of all time. A young girl who is an orphan and a foster child, and then she becomes it, and then she wins, and they bar- they go to competition. She wins again, and the next thing you know, the movie's over. <laughs> that's amazing in it to minute that was fantastic detailed in the beginning I I feel like I need another shot I need another hour and a half
0: to go through the whole movie (laughs) just an hour and 31 minutes and I can tell you everything that happened All right, don't go anywhere when we come back we're going to talk about 2011's butter right here with Roey Fishman on Let's Bogart Don't Go Anywhere Hey there, folks. Thanks for listening to the episode. I just want to interrupt for a quick second and tell you about a little something that we here at Let's Bogart think is worth paying attention to, and that is the organization CannabisAmnesty.ca. I have talked to you about this before. This is a group that is specifically looking to correct the past mistakes of the canadian government and law enforcement agencies uh, by providing pardons for people with minor cannabis convictions and blanket pardons ones that don't need uh, complicated or expensive application processes see here's the thing we here on the legal market uh, get to enjoy all of the medicine and the beauty and the recreation and the uh, spiritual guidance that this beautiful cannabis plant can do for all of us. But there are a lot of people who built and paved the way for us to get to the place that we are in today, and they are still suffering for it. There are way too many people with past minor nonviolent cannabis convictions just to do with possession that need to be expunged the laws are created to to show uh what we value morally as a country and as a country i think we've realized that the prohibition of cannabis was perhaps (laughs) perhaps perhaps a mistake And because of that, we are now making tons of money in taxes and we have the convenience of being able to go and talk openly about this uh, beautiful, wonderful plant and this product. And a lot of places, a lot of LPs are making uh, uh, a decent living being able to do this. And we have a lot of people to thank for that. And those are the people who have been butting up against the prohibition of cannabis from the start. And unfortunately, because of the way that this country is run and because of the way that systemic racism works, uh, there are people who have really taken the brunt of, uh, uh, the brunt of the, uh, punishment for bringing about this, this very, uh, Uh, systemic change that has come up and so we need people like the good people at cannabisamnesty.ca uh advocating for these people and we as cannabis users and the cannabis community can help out there's a lot of different ways that we can help out we can take action We can sign uh, the petition. We can fund the campaign. There are pardon clinics that Cannabis Amnesty offers. All of it is available by just going to CannabisAmnesty.ca. You'll be able to find all the resources there. They give a lot of great information, and they are doing something that we as a community are responsible for. So let's get behind them. Let's take a visit to CannabisAmnesty.ca and try to get involved in whatever way you can. If you've got a couple of bucks, you can chip in, great. If you can sign the, pot, uh, the petition, even better. If you can do uh, all, all, all of it, uh, great. Just uh, take a look at some of the information because some of these stats are really staggering. So visit cannabisamnesty.ca and let's get our, our, our brothers, sisters, our siblings uh, past the finish line. We're not quite done yet, everyone. Let's do it and we can do it together. I believe in us cannabisamnesty.ca thanks for listening and now back to the show all right Roy. butter have you had you ever heard of this movie before we
1: did it i have not actually and i'm shocked because it has quite the
0: cast it's a huge cast big heavy hitters and were they heavy hitters in 2011 like jennifer garner for sure like
1: yeah i think she was probably the lead yeah you know she was she was the main draw yeah and then phil Dunphy. this is before modern family yeah so he was big and also again i'm just gonna keep going with my from other shows <laughs> names because i don't know their actual names but we had hot Tub time machine guy yeah Rope, Rope, yeah 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 he was great in it um very funny there's a huge cast i um, hugh jackman's in it yeah Olivia Wilde had a good performance. Oh, God, she was good. Sure. Yeah. And then um what's her name? Um Yara Shahidi. That must have been her first performance, I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, she was a she was a kid actor before then, uh, uh, but oh, she's okay. uh yeah, it was a huge role for her at 10 years old. And she's she's so good at it. She she gives almost nothing away like she uh, uh there's so much that she spends just sort of watching the adults make complete asses of themselves in such yeah. a simple way i really admire it as an actor because you're you're able to read a lot into what she's doing because she's got the poker face on most of the time i think it also made her hilarious right because yeah. she's got such a
1: a, a tragic story it's such a it, you know an emotional element of the film to see her position, but that's not where they take it at all. They took it in a really funny way, uh, and I think she nailed it. Um, she did a really good job of playing uh, of kind of very like you said stoically uh, giving her perspective on this kind of extremely white, ex, you know, different, uh, you know concept where people are carving butter. Yeah. Uh and and, you know and and people look at her as different and from the outside. And I think she just absolutely nails it and brings a great comedic element to it.
0: Does she ever and you know what she she also, because she's able to do it so uh so stoically and and whatever, she also becomes sort of the The heart of the film? Like, there's a film around her in butter. The the thing that I noticed watching it again was how, how many different tones... The movie is like it yeah. seems to keep shifting back and forth. It wants to be like a raunchy sex comedy, but it also wants to be like a political <laughs> yeah. drama. But it also wa- it wants to be this like yeah. inspiring kind of like Disney movie with this kid at the center who like overcomes adversity and uh, uh, yeah. learns, you know, uh, uh, to give back to the community or whatever. Like there's so many different things going on, and she really anchors this uh, yeah. by giving this really. Kind of yeah, su- uh, subdued performance.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably where the movie goes wrong. Is that it is a little confused in what it is. Yeah. The political aspect of it, I thought, was misguided. Yeah. I don't think they needed to get into all that stuff. I don't know what politics come into play when you're carving butter. <laughs> uh, but overall, I thought it was hilarious. Good one-liners. Yeah, definitely. Definitely some lines in there that that had me chuckling.
0: It was written, I I guess it was written by a guy who had been like a a miscellaneous crew on a bunch of stuff. But this was his first ever script and it got picked up. uh, uh, It was like the top three. It was one of the top three in 2008 uh, for Franklin Leonard's Blacklist, which is uh, the best scripts that have been written that haven't been produced yet. Um, and based on the strength of that, they were able to uh, uh, get it going. But yeah, it does feel like a, a writer, a first-time writer who is trying to do everything all at the same time. Like he wants to make these three different kinds of movies and put them all in together. He said that it's a a a, a, a like a, a parody of the two thousand and two thousand what is it two thousand eight uh, Democratic. Uh, uh, Democratic uh, uh, primaries. So the idea of of uh, Barack Obama and uh, Hillary Clinton vying for the uh, the the Democratic spot to go in and beat yeah. George W. Bush, and I think that th- that's pretty lofty. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know that it works. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I got that,
1: but it. I mean, there's some lines. Oh, yeah. I, I yeah, I just remember this one part of this. Where um, uh, Olivia Wilde comes to uh, Tyrell's door, right? Yeah, he's uh, she's you know trying to get him to pay the six hundred bucks that he still owes her yeah. from from the night before. Uh, so he looks at her, he goes, "Can't we just do this over email?" And this is so before Phil Dunphy, but it's such a classic line that he would say. And she comes back to him, she says something like. I'm going, if you don't pay me, I'm going to take a shit on the hood of your car and seeing Olivia Wilde said, I just cracked me up. And I thought that's the end of it. Right. Yeah. And then he comes back to her and he, and like classic Phil goes, I see you're a very passionate person
0: <laughs> <laughs> looking for the and good I mean, in like, her. As she's trying to get money out of him. Yeah.
1: like That's so classic. <laughs> um, was, yeah. Definitely some good laughs, but I got to be honest. The first after smoking that joint, the first twenty minutes of the movie, you know when you're you're actually watching the movie, you're or, or like looking at the movie is a better word. Yeah, yeah. But your thoughts are going. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm just thinking, why do actors have two names? Like they all full <laughs> names, like Olivia Wilde. It's for some reason, musicians can get away with one name. Yeah, sure, Prince. But
0: actors, you never go, oh, that's Meryl over there. No, Meryl Streep. <laughs> and it's not like there are other Meryls that we would confuse her with or anything. But Nothing. But they
1: just have full names. So if you become an actor, you are a full name person. You have to be proud
0: of your full name <laughs> because it's, that's what you're going to be known as. Everyone's going to call you. Olivia Wilde over here. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. That's so <laughs> That's that's where the first twenty minutes of that movie went. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, both <laughs> names, both of them. You know what I loved about all of the the actors in this is that everyone was sort of. Uh, I guess I guess Phil Dunphy was sort of playing a a, a type of. His, but so many more people were cast against type, like Jennifer Garner is playing someone who is completely unlikable and grating, yeah. and that she's usually the like the America's sweetheart role. Hugh Jackman is so charming in everything he's ever done, and he is awful in this. He is so hateful and gross and yeah. Disgusting and, and uh uh even Rob Cordry from Hot Tub Time Machine, like he's usually the, the crazy out there person and he's yeah. sitting in there like helping the emotional uh core of the movie try to stay. He, he was the sensible foster parent yeah. giving us love and guidance. I'm like, who the hell is
1: this guy? you've got some on stuff. <laughs> Definitely. Uh yeah, it was a weird cast. There's that that uh woman from the wrong missy. She is so funny. What's her name? I'm uh, Kristen Dude? Shaw. She, like I could, she makes me cry of laughter because so that i'm hysterical. And even in this, she played her role in this. I thought she like very limited, but she's so funny. God,
0: that you know what the scene I loved them doing was. They they set up the the stanchions, the like the lineup to come and sign yeah. under the thing, and then watching each character have to go through the thing, yeah, watching the stanch- Garner just go back and forth and like, in the huge pumps and get to this, and then have Kristen Shaw come in and like. Be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're here as she goes in and then have the little girl just like walk under it and not bother with any of the lines. I was like, ah, oh, that's so And then brutal. Olivia Wilde knocks it down.
1: I thought that was a really cool uh, kind of way for them to show each character oh, early great. on in the movie where you have Stickler by the book going into Phyllis uh-huh. from the office. Yeah. I think her name
0: actually maybe. I think it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She she was <laughs> oh, classic she was in so that movie. Funny. And then, and then you have you know each character coming in. I thought that was a pretty cool way to to demonstrate the 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 contrast between them. For sure, I
0: agree. Yeah, I thought it was so. Yeah, they 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 did a couple of things to try to do that where they were like, we're gonna have uh, not callbacks but like the same moments happening and mm-hmm. and twist it like do it completely differently. Like they had. Um, uh, uh, they had Yara Shahidi praying about her her birth mother who gave her up for adoption and, like, forgiving her. And that was a really, like, emotional, touching moment. And mm-hmm. then later we have Hugh Jackman praying, and he's praying to God, like, thanking <laughs> thanking God for how tight her pussy was because he Yeah, a that's like in high school. Oh, God. It was my so... God. I think-
1: that's the stuff that made me laugh the hardest. Just the juxtaposition between, like, why are they so serious and emotional and then all of a sudden flipping on the completely other side of this? It's insane. And I think, um, I think the dynamic between Yara Shahidi and, um, I'm going to go Lugal <laughs> what's his, Sorry, what's his name one more time? Uh, Rob Corddry. Rob, Rob Corddry. Yeah. I think that was also a funny dynamic because it was so wholesome, right? Oh, it's so nice. But then they were really... T- talking about some weird shit when he was t- giving her a pep talk, right? That How to get into the- That pep talk was uh, so good. Yeah. So, okay, before you go in, I know people like to think positive, but I just want to think about all the negatives that could happen <laughs> in this situation. What's the and worst thing it, that could uh, happen? Yeah. They can, yeah like, what's is, oh, there's all vegetarians <laughs> in there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Yeah, they really find they do find so many different ways to set up set up jokes and punchlines that I I think really works towards if if it doesn't work towards a cohesive whole, at the very least, it keeps you guessing like there's no moment in this movie where you're like, oh, I see where this is all going.
1: Yeah, it's um, definitely surprised me with how funny it was. Um, not the cast, right? It, looking at the cast, you think it could be hilarious, sure. but just and obviously, I thought it was going to be about butter carving, so it is a comedy. Yeah. But it came kind of out with a bit of a a, a drama underside, mm-hmm. uh, so it was nice. Uh, hilarious concept. i So this is a real thing, right? Carving butter? Yeah, uh, is it? <laughs> I mean, I have we let's, idea. let's, let's you googling. I'm it? googling, googling
0: it? it right now. Do people? Actually... So I'm pretty sure butter carving is real. Oh my God, that's incredible. Really, butter carving? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, it's real? Yeah, yeah, it's for sure real. Yeah, so, butter
1: carving is a real thing, right? Oh my right? God. So, that's the funniest concept is that <laughs> somebody thought, holy shit, these people carve butter for competitions, just like there's ice sculptures or whatever else you carve. So we got to go get a huge fridge to put this butter, massive block of butter in. I'm going to take a little butter knife and just sculpt this perfect Harriet Tubman sitting on top of a railway, like just a perfect rendition of The Last Supper out of butter. (laughs) And we're going to hold the competition only
0: in Iowa. Only in Iowa. Yeah, it's it's incredible to me because a, a single person deciding this is going to be what I spend my time learning how to do. I can see that. People do all kinds of weird shit. But the yeah. idea that they would be able to convince somebody else to do it against them and convince somebody else to judge them and turn it into an actual thing is yeah. the thing. The that I'm The craziest part
1: is that there's somebody who pays to attend. <laughs> Just wants to see all of them. Did you see the butter? It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, if you did smoke peanut butter, breath, uh-huh. I would recommend going to Iowa <laughs> and going to a butter carving
0: competition and know. seeing it for yourself because just, that would be fun. Just having your mind blown by all these, oh my God, I can't believe they did a full recreation of Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in simple jazz <laughs> 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 Oh man that's so funny so, so, Yeah this this movie was it was it was really something else I think you know what I really admired about it is I admired that it's not um it's taking big risks like it's it's really shooting for something that it might not achieve <laughs> and I think probably doesn't achieve but really yeah. tries to clear the fence with the ball. And I, I respect that. I respect filmmakers who come out and go, look, nothing like this has really been done before, and we're not sure if it works, but we're going to try it, because I think it's exciting.
1: Yeah.
0: I think the only fair thing at this point
1: is a sequel. <laughs> I think that's what has to happen here, uh, where where we have a new butter carving competition. Some, something new happens in this town to the pickers, what's what's their last name? The picklers. The picklers, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he needs to come out of retirement, get <laughs> Phil Dunphy in there, back, back carving butter. I think that's what America really needs right now. I think that's what it's calling for. I, right I,
0: yeah, I. You know, this came out on only a few screens. Only a few people saw it. It didn't do that well, but I think that we all need to see how the story ends, how it continues.
1: <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but, yeah. Butter.
0: Butter. Better
1: than margarine. <laughs> some, some sort of tagline to really get people hooked
0: on there. Not just trans fats. That's right. Something good. Butter. I can't believe it's not. <laughs> 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 All right, Matt. Well, that brings us to the end of our second segment, which means it's time for yet another game. You ready for this one? Well, let's do it. This one is just opinion questions. So I'm going to ask you, it, it's uh, a segment called. Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness! So, number one, are you a sativa diva, an Indicana Jones, or a hybrid or dybrid? I am a hybrid or dybrid. Nice. Uh, f- uh, number two, favorite movie featuring cannabis? Uh. Probably Harold and Kumar. Amen, absolutely. Them. <laughs> Cal Penn's delivery of "Should we go back for it?" No, we've come too far. Is yeah, still. Far. I love that. Oh God, that's so good. Those those yeah. hamburgers looked incredible too. The filming of them at the end there, when they finally get there, is astounding. And then you go to White Castle in real life
1: because this movie has meant so much (laughs) to your stoner adolescence and then you arrive there and realize that you do not want this person. yeah no it's not that good (laughs) let's
0: not go to white castle (laughs) number three fictional or real person you'd most want to smoke with um fictional austin powers 100% love that
1: yeah uh real person um, I'd probably want to do with someone that I could have a real good intellectual conversation with. Yeah. Um, to see them stoned. <laughs> That's a good question. I'm gonna say, I would have liked to to smoke a joint. I still would probably Jimmy Page. Oh um, yeah. Just talk about music and life and art. That'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'll go with Jimmy Page. I love that
0: fictional or real place you'd most want to smoke
1: right now it's very real send me to the beach i don't <laughs> care thailand <laughs> i don't know wherever you want to send me as long as the water is clear amen well, the weed is good actually it could be medium even the
0: Weed <laughs> can even be medium in this place as long as i'm on the beach let's go now oh i love that god i miss that There's real, real time coming up where we're going to get to actually do things again. It's very exciting. Uh, Movie that would be improved if only the characters were smoking cannabis.
1: Mm. I'm a little dark, so the first thing that came to my mind was just totally inappropriate. Um, Movie that could be improved by smoking cannabis. I mean butter. <laughs> be a yeah, sure. one.
0: that one really needed some weed in it, <laughs> it some of the the ends off that. Yeah, they would have all chilled out a little bit. Maybe saw what what's good in each other. <laughs> um, and can you make the sound of your favorite consumption method? <laughs> it's I think I love it. I, I love it. All, all in a joint. <laughs> Not the- All right. Well, listen, come right back with us because when we come back, we're going to be puffing or passing on butter right here with Roey Fishman on Let's Bogart. Stick around. All right, buddy. Last segment. So uh, this is puffer pass time. So on the movie butter, would you say uh, puffer pass? Puffer pass. I, I would I would not
1: puff puff pass but I would puff pass. Sure. If that makes sense. So if you're at home stoned, yes. 100% must be stoned yeah. and looking for for something to uh to enjoy the night, I would I would actually
0: watch it. Okay. Yeah, yeah fair enough. I, I What do you think? I, I do feel yeah, I, honestly like I I do think that th- this this uh this movie got maybe maligned a little a little more than it deserved. I do think like like I was saying, I I I ex- I really respect that they're they're swinging for the uh swinging for the fences and that they're trying to do something that seems antithetical to itself. I find that really exciting. And yeah. I, I think that like you said, if you if you're stoned and you're looking for a really weird movie to sort of throw you off the scent of where yeah. it's going, I think this one makes so many left turns that you'll have that yeah. experience. And I think I think the cast alone um kinda garners uh-huh. it, it,
1: it just the just the cast itself, they're hilarious people. They're so funny. But I think, for one-liners and and just to laugh a little bit, I think it's worth it. The acting is actually pretty good. Yeah, I just think the, the movie's a little uh, confused. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, but I would, uh, you know, it it this one I haven't I haven't watched uh, the the writer of it wrote um, what uh, there was a TV show or something that he's doing now a reboot of a TV show, and I would I would check it out. <laughs> Uh, the Heathers Heathers uh, uh, adaptation There's like a new TV Heathers And I think that that The movie Heathers Seems like a weird one too And so the, seeing this guy take that on I would be interested in watching that Yeah I haven't even heard of that Yeah I'm excited about it I, I love Heathers I think that it's crazy insane movie That should probably have never been made But was and that makes it great <laughs> I, yeah, so I would, yeah, I would, I think, I think I would. I, I think I'm like you. I'm a, I'm a puff, but perhaps a hesitant puff. If you're not smoking weed, if you're, uh, getting together with like 10 friends and they're like, what movie should we watch? No, this is probably not going to win we'll, you over. We'll stick it. your neck out for butter. Yeah. But me. if you're home yeah. alone, you're
1: on, you're on lap two of Netflix, Amazon and Crave, <laughs> and you don't know where to go. <laughs> I would, I would go to butter at that point.
0: Amazing. So, okay. So. If people are sitting at home, they've got their beautiful, beautiful peanut butter breath uh, uh, joint that they've smoked half of, they light it up after the end of butter to smoke the rest of it, and they're looking for another movie to watch. What is a movie that they could uh, double feature with this one that would be a good evening? I think you'd have to go to a comedy, because it it uh, the, this
1: movie is a comedy, and it... And it, it at the end of it, I kind of desired more laughs. I think if you listen to the credits, too, they started with some really hilarious songs about how butter is better than margarine and other stuff like that. Yeah, I, I would go straight to the comedy. And I would I would probably go with Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, yeah. And I'm just saying that because it, it, it takes a character from the movie to another hilarious movie uh, that's actually, uh, you know, it's hysterical. I, I would go Hot Tub Time Machine. Uh, right after butter
0: I love that I I'll tell you I had one of my favorite cinema experiences watching Hot Tub Time Machine I've seen Hot Tub Time Machine since and it's it's great I have a great time but there was something about being so stoned and being in a theater full of absolutely other stoned people who were all just like <laughs> loving the shit out of it and laughing together all like up together oh so, so good I would love
1: crowd laughter so much yeah, that and, man, would
0: be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be beautiful when the cinemas start opening back up. Get to experience those again with some comedies uh-huh. and shit. Well, awesome, man. Well, th- thank you so much for doing this. Uh, uh, Roy, where can people uh, find and follow you and and Carmel's stuff so they can know when things are dropping? So the it,
1: when Mark Zuckerberg isn't kicking us off Instagram, <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram at Carmel underscore official. <laughs> Uh, you can always check out our website, carmelcannabis.ca, uh, where we've got all of our strains, keep everything up to date. The best way to do it is subscribe to our newsletter. We do not spam you. You get great info, about our newest strains, blogs that we write about, craft cannabis, we write about why we select these strains. Um, we love talking with our customers. So shoot us an email anytime. It's right there on the package. You can find out how to, how to contact us what's up at carmelcannabis.ca or give us a call um but yeah so check out our website our instagram those are the two best places and subscribe to our newsletter so we can uh we can chat Fucking amen.
0: ah thank you so okay. much for coming on the show this was a hey, ton man. of fun a thank blast. you so much for having me what a blast <laughs> what? that's it wasn't that a great episode that's the show ah i was i i'm i'm still so stoked that we got to have this conversation I learned so much from them. I learned a lot about the peanut butter breath, but I also learned a lot about how LPs in Canada work right now and how the ones who are uh, putting uh, uh, the thought and the care and the, um, the wisdom of this plant and what we've learned about it and what uh, what customers, even if they don't know they want this information, they might learn something because the information is there and uh, like i said in the episode i really hope that other lps uh, follow suit and i'll tell you what i've been seeing a little bit of it people have been putting their terpene percentages on their packaging people have been talking about uh, what the genetics are people have given the uh, terpene profiles of their plants and stuff up on the packaging it's starting to happen there's a there's a real effect that carmel is is having on Canadian cannabis as a whole. And that's really exciting. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us for this very extra special episode. Like I said, season two is still on the way. It's going to be really cooking. I have some great guests. I have some great movies, some great strains to smoke. And I want to tell you all about them. You can visit Carmel at Carmel underscore official on Instagram. You can also visit them on their website carmelcannabis.ca c-a-r-m-e-l cannabis.ca you can visit let's bogart at let's bogart on both twitter and instagram we haven't been doing much there lately but we're going to be doing some very exciting things coming up so stay tuned uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rate and review. If you like this podcast, it really helps us get the word out. And uh, you can follow me on those socials. And uh, yeah, thanks again for tuning in. This is such fun. I haven't done this in a long time, so I, I, I'm very excited. I got to take a little me time. I got to smoke some stuff without uh, without needing to uh, do an episode about it. It was really nice. I got to go out to Lethbridge, Alberta, visit some of my family get to see some of the plants that my brother-in-law is growing they're so cool super cool got to see some of what the other uh, uh the other cannabis retailers out there are doing and it looks like uh you people in alberta have some cool things we got a lot in common but we got a lot of differences too and that's really exciting cannabis across canada is an exciting thing like I said earlier in the episode, visit CannabisAmnesty.ca and get involved in the fight to make cannabis uh, a, a socially just movement. It'll be great. <laughs> All right. Uh, you have a strain you want us to do? Have a movie you want us to pitch? Throw it to us in the DMs on our Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, yeah, have a great smoke there, buds. It's great talking to you Hope you enjoyed. I'll see you in a few weeks when we Bogard once more.
1: Drew's uh, one of our, you know, founders and one of our and our master grower. He really inspired us with the beauty of craft products, with the exciting genetics. Every time I got a bag from him, I was so excited to open it, and smell it, and see it, and learn about the genetics. And it was really the idea of how do we bring legacy market tactics? How do we bring the limited drop? um excitement how do we bring that same feel um to the legal market and i I don't think there's a there's a real complexity to that just a real discipline in, in going about our business and a real focus on what we can do